Chapter 17 of A Lad of Metal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ryan Jacob, A Lad of Metal, by Nat Gould. Wondrous Caverns. Look, said Yaka, pointing to a range of hills in the distance. There you will find the cave of the White Spirit, and your journey will be ended. Gazing in the direction the black indicated, they saw hill upon hill, towering one above the other like a number of huge pyramids. It was a strange sight in this wild country, where it was doubtful if ever a white man had set foot before. They were all eagerness to continue the journey, but Yaka said this could not be. Certain forms and ceremonies were to be gone through before he could venture with them into the hills and caves where Enuma, the white spirit, lay at rest. Only the head of the tribe was permitted to enter the cave, and so superstitious were the blacks upon this point, that they believed it meant certain death to any one of their number who disobeyed. Consequently, Yaka would have no difficulty in showing Edgar and Will what the cave contained, as he alone could enter. Yaka had stated to the tribe that the white men were come to see Enuma, who was of the same race, and therefore they must be permitted to enter the cave. At the foot of the nearest hill, it could almost be called a mountain, they halted, and the blacks commenced a wild, weird chant which sounded like the wail of lost spirits. They prostrated themselves upon the ground, and made signs with their spears. Yaka stepped on ahead, and beckoned to Edgar and Will to follow, which they did without hesitation. The other blacks came on at a respectful distance, and seemed afraid that something was about to happen. In the side of the hill they were approaching, Edgar saw a large cleft in the rock, wide enough to admit half a dozen people to pass in abreast. These hills were all solid rock, not merely mounds of earth, and were bare in many places, while in fissures grew trees, and wild creepers hung down in great profusion. Orchids. Orchids were growing of exceptional beauty, and Edgar, as he looked at them, thought of the price they would bring in the old country. As they entered the cleft in the rock, the blacks remained behind, and squatted down on the ground. They guard the entrance, said Yaka. When no one is here, this opening in the rock closes up, and no one can find the cave of Anuma. Edgar wondered how Yaka knew the cleft closed up, if no one was there to see such a strange thing happen. How can you tell that, he said, if you have never seen it? Rest and listen, said Yaka. You never believe I speak truth because I am black. Once the Anuma were defeated by the Karaku, and fled before them to these hills, they were so hard-pressed that they had to rush through the cleft in the rock, and when the last of the tribe passed in, the cleft closed and shut the Karaku out. This is true, for men of the tribe have told me, and they do not lie to the chief. Edgar believed this to be another superstition of the blacks, but he could not resist looking behind him towards the cleft they had entered by. With a loud cry he sprang to his feet, for behind them there was a solid rock, and he could see nothing of the blacks they had left. Will looked and turned pale as he saw they were shut in. How is this? said Edgar. What has happened? Anuma has closed her gate, said Yaka. She knows of the approach of her son and the white men, and she wishes to be undisturbed. Edgar walked back to where he imagined the cleft in the rock by which they entered had been, but he could see nothing but a solid mass in front of him. He felt the rock and it was hard and firm, and must have been there for ages. How had this strange thing happened? Yaka must have suddenly turned as they walked along, and the opening became hidden, but as they entered, the black appeared to have gone straight on. I give it up, said Edgar. We seem to be blocked in here, 
and shall have to trust to Yaka to get us out. It makes a fellow feel queer when such strange things happen, but I have no doubt there is an explanation of it if we can find it out. The place they were now standing in was a narrow defile between rocks towering up perpendicularly to a considerable height. These rocks were bare and smooth. Not a plant or fern could be seen growing on the sides. Before them was the mouth of a cave, and inside seemed dark as pitch. Yaka walked to the mouth of the cave, and they followed him. When they became accustomed to the gloom, they saw a faint glimmer of light, about the size of a bull's-eye lantern glass, in the far distance. So far as Edgar could make out, the sides of the cave were rocks, but smoothed in a similar way to those on either side of the defile they had left. The floor of the cave was hard and even, in some places so smooth that it had become slippery and dangerous. Yaka did not speak, but kept moving slowly forward, and they could see the dim outline of his figure. It must have been the action of water for ages that has made the floor so smooth, said Edgar. How cold it is after the heat we have had. Reminds me of a petrifying cave. I believe if we remained here long enough, we should be turned into stone. I have no desire to be turned into a petrified mummy at present, said Will, laughing. But you're right about the cold. I am chilled to the bone. How much more of this is there, Yaka? said Edgar, speaking loud enough for the black, who was somewhere in front, to hear him. The sound of his voice echoed through the passage, and gradually died away in the distance. Wait, said Yaka. Be careful here. They had need of the warning, for they were now treading upon something soft and slimy, and the sensation was not pleasant. They slipped about and made but little progress, and were glad when the ground felt hard and dry again. The round ball of light at the end was gradually widening, and they could now see more plainly the nature of the passage they were traversing. Looking up to the roof, Edgar saw thousands of glittering stars, which flashed and twinkled, even with the faint light from the opening. Look, Will, he said. How lovely this roof would be if there was more light. They might be diamonds. They sparkle so. Wish they were, replied Will. A few diamonds would help a fellow along. You know in what direction I mean. Yaka has promised to make us rich. I wonder if he will let us take what we like if there is anything to take. It was a mass of various coloured stalactites on the roof, that had attracted Edgar's attention, and as they got more light in the passage, they were seen in all their beauty. The sides were also covered with curiously twisted and gnarled designs. As they neared the opening, they saw the sun was shining brightly, and that they were about to enter an open space. They were not, however, prepared for the sight that burst upon their astonished gaze as they stepped out of the darkness into the full light of the sun. Yaka watched them with a delighted expression in his eyes, and had evidently anticipated the surprise he was about to give them. They were so charmed with the scene that they sat down and looked upon it without saying a word. The spot they were in was like a large basin hollowed out of the solid rocks. The sides sloped down gradually and were hollowed out at the base. Had there been tiers of seats round, it would have resembled in shape a vast amphitheatre. There was, however, something far more picturesque than bare seats round this wonderful circle. The whole of the basin was covered with a kind of green moss, which looked like velvet as the sun shone upon it. This velvet bed was studded with a profusion of flowers of all colours, shapes, and sizes. Brilliant orchids selected the most shady nooks to fix their abode in. Huge, white, convolvulus spread over projections and clumps. Lilies of great height filled in spaces where water lodged, and gently trickled down into a pool in the hollow of the basin. Great nest ferns surrounded the water. Their fronds, over six feet long, spreading out like large fans. The miniata had its large carmine blossoms 
showing to perfection, the colour being dazzling. Pandanus and screw palms also grew amongst the giant ferns and lilies. Floating on the water in the basin were gigantic water lilies. So scooped out was this basin that there was an ample shade for the numerous ferns and lilies that do not flourish with the full light of the sun upon them. Surrounded by such lovely flowers and ferns, and with a cool pool of water to make everything refreshing, it is small wonder, after their recent experiences, that Edgar and Will fancied themselves in an enchanted spot. How it all came here no one could fathom. Nature fixes upon strange spots in which to work at her best. All they knew, and cared about, was that in an unexplored part of Australia, they had come upon such a wonderful scene. Yaka assured them this was a mere nothing when compared with the cave of Anuma. The place they were now in he described as the bathing place of Anuma, and said the waters from the caves did not run into this place. You can drink this water, said Yaka, but not that in the caves. It is bitter, and will turn the tongue hard, and you will have no taste. It always struck Edgar as curious that, no matter where they happened to be, Yaka could invariably procure them a good meal. Even in this spot, where it did not seem likely they would be able to find much to relieve their hunger, Yaka got berries and roots, some water from the pool, and made quite a pleasant, and what proved to be a strengthening, drink. He also gave them a root, which he said would appease hunger for a time whenever tasted. Yaka would not allow them to linger here, but walked around the basin. Edgar saw no outlet except the one by which they had entered. The far side, Yaka pulled aside the dense masses of ferns, and they saw an opening large enough to admit of a man crawling through. Yaka went first, and they followed on their hands and knees. This passage was about fifty yards in length, and at the other end was an open cave, which was lighted by a hole in the roof, naturally formed. Gliding down the walls were glistening drops of water, and the floor was very uneven and covered with masses of rock that must at some remote period have become detached from the roof. Some of the tracery on the walls Edgar looked at with wonder. It was of a rich cream colour, and almost like the texture of a cashmere shawl. All sorts of shapes and figures could be seen caused by the action of the water, which must have taken thousands of years to perform its work, and would take thousands more years to complete it. Hanging from the roof were large pendants like icicles, and the water ran slowly down them and dripped off at the end. The hollow underneath, caused by this drips, showed the extreme age of the cave. Leaning against the side of the cave, Edgar saw close to him what at first looked like a bunch of grapes. But when he observed it closely, he found it was a peculiar formation in the rock. That is one of the secrets, said Yaka. It is a guide to the inner cave we must enter. Watch. Yaka pushed the bunch of grapes, and a large slab of rock moved slowly round and through the opening they saw another large cave beyond. Enter and wait, said Yaka. Are you coming? said Edgar. I will fetch you, said Yaka, but I must enter the White Spirit's cave before you, or harm me before. I do not half like it, said Edgar. We are not afraid, but you had better go on with us. Yaka said, you must remain alone. All right, said Edgar, sitting down on a projection from the rock but make haste back. Yaka went away, and when they looked round, they found the rocket swung back into its place, and they were imprisoned in the cave. End of chapter 17 Read by Ryan Jacob Orchids 
Orchids were growing of exceptional beauty, and Edgar, as he looked at them, thought of the price they would bring in the old country.